Welcome to Res Talk, your source for the latest news, opinions, and training from top building performance, rating, and auditing experts. Here's your host, committed building science enthusiast and registered professional engineer, Bill Spohn. Welcome back to another episode of the Res Talk podcast. It's our goal here to communicate some late breaking news and thoughtful insights about the broad array of topics into the rapidly expanding world of residential energy ratings to all the stakeholders in the ResNet ecosystem. To the ResNet community, we hear you and wish to engage. It seems like everyone's talking about change lately, spurred in a large part by the global pandemic. Rolling with the changes, staying on mission, continuing to work toward your vision are no mean feats any longer. So how is the team at ResNet adapting the annual conference to deliver the high quality educational content everyone's become used to and the social interactions while looking out for the health and safety of all involved. The team at ResNet had some tough decisions to make regarding the 2021 conference. After polling the community, the ResNet staff and board found that a virtual conference in 2021 is the best way for the safety and convenience of all attendees to still get the quality information they become used to. So Emma Bennett and Steve Baden join us here today to walk through the inputs, research, and decision-making leading up to the delivery of the 2021 conference in a virtual format. We'll hear about all the changes and some unique benefits of a virtual event, including overcoming the common problem for in-person attendees of not being able to see all the sessions. The in-person social interactions also morph into some unique and interactive networking opportunities. Fittingly, the theme for the 2021 ResNet Conference is a new path to the future. Stay tuned and listen in for more details. Hello, folks. How are you doing today? Doing good, Bill. Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for joining us. In today's topic, we'll be discussing the 2021 conference. It's going to be handled in a different way this year. And we wanted to, rather than reading emails and looking at websites, you get a chance to hear from Steve and Emma, who actually are the genesis of what comes about in the conferences, talking about it and discussing it. I wanted to kick off with Steve, and this is a huge change and a tough decision. But Steve, where did this all come from? Why are we doing it this way in 2021? Well, it was a very tough decision to make because I know how important the social gathering and the networking is for people who go to a conference. That's one of the highest rated features of our conferences that people look for. But the other thing is, is that actually higher than that is the content of our conferences. So we looked at it. The main thing is we were very fortunate last year. We had our conference in late February, and it was like a matter of days before the awareness and this COVID struck hard. And we were very fortunate that no one came down with anything. But we looked at it, and we just didn't think we could avoid the bullet again. We've been seeing that spiking of the virus across the country. It goes to one area, then moves back to another area. And then also the public health officials were warning that winter would either see a new resurgent or another wave of it. And then in addition, with the avid of the flu season, the prognosis was not really good for having a large group of face-to-face people taking place. So we started looking at what kind of alternatives we can because our most important element is to provide two things. One, the education that people look for to the conference. And then second, the, probably in more paramount, is the health and safety of both participants and the community that we're traveling into. And it was particularly drew a drove to us the importance of it because Atlanta and the state of Georgia has been particularly hard hit 
with the this latest round of the COVID. We started looking at alternatives, and Emma did a lot of research and came up with the idea of a virtual conference. We're seeing that increasingly more and more. And I have to say, from viewing it since I started looking at this in February, the platforms and technology of remote conferences has just has exploded in terms of what it offers. Then also, before going to the board with our recommendation, we did a survey of our network, including everyone who's attended our conference, and asked them what their comfort level of coming to a person-to-person conference in February and the interest in having a remote. And by far, a large majority said they were concerned about coming to a face-to-face conference in Atlanta in February. And there was quite a bit of interest in doing a virtual. So based upon that, we came up with a proposal to the ResNet board to do a couple things. One, the council, the face-to-face in February, instead to offer it virtually. But then again, to offer it then the traditional ways then in the uh, 2022 and 2023 so people can get what they're doing. In addition, though, I think that this pandemic has changed the way we do business a lot. And I think we're going to see some new opportunities to enhance the traditional conferences by having some kind of a hybrid where you could do face-to-face and also have some virtual type exercises. It's just the same way as I think a lot of people, businesses are relooking the way their work patterns are with people having the history of working from homes. Our goal is is to have, once this is over and we've passed over this crisis, to have the traditional conference that people are used to in 2022, which would be in Austin, Texas. So that's why we did it. It was a hard decision, but fortunately, technology came in, and I thought it was much better to think ahead than to kind of wish for the best and then suddenly have to react without any plan sort of what's going on currently with the two political party national conventions in the next couple of weeks. I wanted to avoid that and have something dependable and give a chance for the people who rely upon the conference to be able to adjust to that. So that's what we did. It wasn't an easy decision. I know that I'm going to miss seeing everyone in February, but I think that with the current situation we're in, it's best both for our network and then the community that we'd be going into to do something else for this upcoming year. And I think you both know I'm a longtime conference attendee for ResNet, and I'm going to miss it. But for me, it was the last conference so far. After I came back from that, things just sort of went crazy. There were some other things we were supposed to do with our business for conferences and things like that and trade shows, and they all just pulled the plug. So we did just get it in under the wire. Now, Emma, how does one research this kind of topic? This is something that, did you ever think of this before? How did you evolve into where the plans are today? So when we were at Scottsdale for the 2021 conference, and as Steve said, we got really, really lucky. It was probably only two or three weeks later that everything started getting shut down. But somebody had brought up, I think it was actually Kelly Parker, talking about a hybrid event where we'd be able to offer both a virtual component and an in-person component. Once COVID started hitting the United States, we started analyzing the hybrid because we realized that with restrictions to travel or financial barriers due to the shutdown that we might have to look at that option. But then Steve said, once we surveyed our network and realized that more people would prefer a virtual event, that got us looking into a lot of options. And we're very lucky that our event 
next February, we're still a ways out. So we're not going to be scrambling to try and switch it over was a hard decision to make because of course we love seeing each other in person. But I think that we're going to be able to produce a really high quality virtual event. In researching this, it's kind of an analysis paralysis. There's so many great things out there, but I've just been looking at a lot of different virtual conferences taking place, especially in the building performance industry, what their schedules look like, what their fee structures look like, what sponsorship deliverables they're incorporating. And we're just going to take the best of what we see and incorporate it for ResMet 2021. You're somewhat fortunate in the fact that there's things going on now that you can research and, and plug into your planning mode. So again, just very for a bad situation, fortuitous for timing for ResNet. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things from the in-person event, it's kind of a good problem to have, but we have such high quality sessions with such professional speakers, experts in the industry that come in that a lot of complaints that I hear are that people can't attend every session that they want to. So with this virtual platform, one of the silver linings of that is that you can go and click and watch any video that you want to. If you want to attend a session at 10, but you want to go back and watch one that was concurrently running at the one you're attending, we're going to have that option with this virtual event. So there are some drawbacks, but we're going to definitely make the most out of it. When it comes to networking, we're going to try and create some really fun virtual networking events with prizes and make sure that people are still getting that interaction that they crave when they come to a ResNet conference. Do you have the full agenda started or where does it stand right now? What's sort of your schedule and time frame? Yeah, we're working on the draft schedule right now. We're going to stick with our same dates, February 22nd through the 24th. And what's going to be nice about that is we're going to host some live stream sessions, but also going to have some pre-recorded sessions. So everything's going to be accessible if you can't attend during the exact day and time that we're streaming it. With that, we're going to also try and incorporate some really fun opportunities that sponsors can also get involved in, such as morning workout classes, virtually, of course, maybe some cocktail making classes. We're going to try and make it as fun as we can for attendees so they're really getting a good bang for their buck. On that point, we're going to do in terms of how we're going to develop the sessions and stuff, we're going to follow the traditional way of having people suggest sessions they would like to present or would like to see someone present. We'd also then are going to use the voting like we did in the past, electronic voting on which of the sessions they would like to see. So that process would be going on. What's nice about it is actually each year, one of the toughest things of doing this conference is selecting the conferences in due to the limitations of rooms. What this year will do, since we don't have a limitation of rooms, we have the actually ability to offer a greater array of good sessions that we would in the past. And as Emma stated, that instead of only getting one, you have a library, if you will, where you can access all the sessions and you can dive into which ones you're interested at your leisure. Very neat. So yeah, the limitations of rooms and and also just the schedule, the available time, the conference began on a certain day and the uh, in-person conference and ends on a certain day and everything's lost. All that time has to be fixed. Talking about the rooms, one of the things I didn't bring up, but I'd like to point out, there was no way in this pandemic age that we could offer the traditional conference. Just things on social distancing would mean that the room availability would be a lot less. You can't put people next to each other. You would have to have the six-foot distancing. You would have the issue of masks. Also, one of the things that people like about our conference is that the meals and stuff like that we would probably not be able to do buffets and it would be more prepackaged boxed lunches. 
And then all the social events, such as receptions and stuff like that, could not take place. And frankly, then within the community, more likely the bars and restaurants would be closed. So this would be a completely different conference, even if we did do it live face-to-face. That was another reason for us to say maybe the alternative is trying to get the best of all worlds by going virtual. Yeah, it's pretty well analyzed there. Emma, do you have some further thoughts on that, the positives and negatives of the changes here? Yeah, when we were kind of still analyzing this, we reached out to the hotel and kind of were looking at the current restrictions in Atlanta. Atlanta is allowing events for people more than 100, but there's 21 different restrictions that they require. And just as Steve said, that's limited lunches, limited networking events, limited sessions, limited interaction with other people. So I think that we're going to be able to provide more value through a virtual platform than we would for an in-person. Of course, it changes every week, but we just are more comfortable being able to provide a high-quality conference through our platform virtually. When do you see uh, registration starting? When should people be looking to see this announcement? We're still working on a timeline right now. We're going to open sessions up probably this month or early September. With that, registration is going to open sometime middle fall. We're thinking October, November. Best way to stay involved is definitely signing up for our e-newsletter and following us on social media because we're going to be posting those notifications out as soon as registration opens. We're going to offer the early bird discount. So the sooner you sign up, the more you're going to save. Not to press you for details, but how do you see things like the vendor interaction and exhibitors interactions going? So we're actually surveying our sponsors and exhibitors right now to ask them how we can provide the most value. We're still working out the details for our sponsorship package, but we want to offer a lot of different benefits virtually. That includes social media outreach, different advertising campaigns through our website and virtual platform. We're thinking of sessions where sponsors have an opportunity to interact with attendees on the virtual platform and talk about their company and their different products and services. And some of those fun events that I was talking about, such as morning yoga class before you step into your session, so to speak, those can be sponsorship opportunities as well. So we're trying to make it as interactive for sponsors and exhibitors as it will be for attendees. And I actually was reading a statistic recently that attendees are 30% more likely to approach a sponsor or exhibitor through a virtual platform because they don't have that face-to-face barrier. It's a lot easier to kind of type through your keyboard and ask questions about products and services versus going up to a person. So I think that we're still going to be able to provide a lot of value to our sponsors and exhibitors through that. To follow up on that is that we are going to have a virtual exhibit hall. And we're still looking at the platforms, but I think that in terms of exhibitors, there are some pluses to it. One is that it's going to be virtual hall could be open. Two, you don't have the expense of travel and having staffing there. It can be done. I've seen some examples of some virtual exhibit halls, and there's some exciting opportunities that could happen there. While it can't replace that seeing a person face-to-face does enhance the company by getting their product in front of people. Do you see a benefit towards accessibility, say, for like students or or people that are sort of maybe on the fringes of coming to the conference? Do you see anything there changing? I think with reducing the barrier of travel and lodging, it's going to be financially more accessible, especially for people who might not feel comfortable traveling with the pandemic going on. We are going to try and outreach to different segments of the industry, people who are interested in ResNet but might not know all the details of HERS raters and energy code compliance and whatnot. So we're trying to kind of broaden our scope with sessions and different opportunities to encompass more of the industry into this event. 
very unique opportunities, and it sounds like you're making the the very best of this difficult situation. And I hear a lot of positive vibe in both your voices. That's great. Yeah, we're definitely excited. I won't speak for you, Steve, but I'm looking really forward to this. It's a bit of a challenge to try and reframe this, but I'm very excited to take it on and provide the best opportunity for everyone. The other thing is, it's talking about the new normal. I think that there's a lot of people who would like to attend or at least get the educational opportunities that a ResNet conference offers and the continuing education credits, but are limited by their employers putting the money out for the travel, hotel, meals and stuff. Because actually, when you look at a conference, the registration is probably the cheapest part. The most expensive is being away from your job, the hotel meals, and then with ResNet people, the bar tabs. But I think that this would actually, if we can work it to the future and have, as thing we're definitely looking at, is have a situation for those people who want to enjoy the tradition of having a face-to-face would be there. But for those who wouldn't normally be able to come, having some kind of an opportunity. And so this is one of the things I think we're excited because this could have the opportunity of making the educational opportunities of a ResNet conference available to more people at a lower cost. Again, another fantastic positive attribute to this whole situation. How about just the general tone of what's been happening? I know it's not exactly related to the conference, but what's been happening sort of in in the industry? Steve, maybe you could give us a little overview. Well, it's interesting. What we found in March when it first hit, we did see a blip. But I think what's happened, a number of things, is most states did open up and define construction as a essential opportunity. So the housing industry was really never closed down. But we're actually seeing increasing numbers in 2020 than there were in 2019, which to me sort of defies initial logic. But for instance, July, we had a significant increase in the number of homes that were rated and entered to our registry. And I think there's several reasons for this. One is when you look at the economy in general, the housing market has been less hit than most other sectors in the economy. And I think you're seeing that builders have reacted to the ways to be able to do construction and sell the homes that's safe for the public and for the workers. For instance, show houses now are many times are virtual show houses versus someone have to come in there. Also, I think that everyone who's been forced to be in their home for months knows suddenly the confines of what you uh, have to live with. And I think a lot of people are saying that probably the new normal would be more working from home. And I think there's a lot of people who are saying, if I'm going to have to do this, maybe my house I'm living in or the apartment I'm living in is not what's suited for doing this. And maybe there's some of the things that I thought was important when I bought the house is not where there's some things we are, because you're really hard to run a business from your kitchen table. And so I think there's a new kind of demand for houses that fit what the new normal is. In addition, I think that there is a new interest in having single-family homes, particularly in the suburbs, because a lot of millennials were interested in buying or renting in the downtown areas so they could be close to the social life and the restaurants and stuff. Them being closed down, a lot of them are feeling trapped. And particularly if you live in a high-rise multifamily, you're kind of trapped. And also, it's not the most safest conditions. So I think there's a lot of people that are interested in saying, okay, I need to look for something different. And then the other factor that's going out there, which is really a game changer in my mind, is that mortgage interest rates are the cheapest as I've ever seen it. It's less than 3%. The Federal Reserve is, in essence, uh, printing money. So I think that because of those, those factors, I think we're seeing is that people are buying homes and there's a lot of movement going on. 
And I think that is one of the reflections. But it is interesting to see that there's pockets, of course, but overall nationally, we're seeing uh, more homes being raided than there were in 2019. And 2019 was a record year for us. Very interesting. I think we've sort of covered the topic of our intention today, and now we're going to give our listeners back their ears, but I want to give you both a chance for any kind of wrap-up thoughts. And first, Emma, please. I would just say that if you're skeptical about a virtual event, please feel free to reach out to us with any suggestions or ideas on how we can make it the most value of you. We're here to serve our network, and we really hope that you're able to join us and get the most value despite the circumstances. And we look forward to seeing you in Austin, Texas for 2022. Steve, any closing thoughts? Yeah, I mean, this was a tough decision. With this whole pandemic has made me make some of the toughest decisions that I've had to make working for ResNet. But I think now that once you make that decision, then you, you focus on how to make the best of the experience and how to make the new experience the best you can for people who wanted to depend upon the conference. And I think I feel personally really lucky that we had Emma on our team because she's been doing a lot of conferences and she's pretty well figured out these face-to-face conferences. And then when I went approached her and saying, listen, this may not happen, we may have to look at something completely different. What encouraged me is she immediately pivoted and said, I'm willing to take the challenge. I think we can make something out of this. And her positive attitude has made this really possible. I think that while you can never replace what we've done, I think we can offer something at least that fits within the times that gives people the chance to social interact. It gives opportunities for sponsors and exhibitors to reach the audience that's there. And then also provides the education and sessions and technical sessions that consistently since we've been having the conference that people who attended the conference said was their most important priority. I think from this experience, we may look at a new way of doing business, but I just keep on going back how lucky we were in 2020. And it's better to be able to face facts and then start to adjust it and do something in a planned area than suddenly having something emergency-wise and you're putting your fingers in a dike. So I think overall, I'm looking forward in a number of ways. I've been out of, not been out of my house to be able to see the other side of this pandemic, to be able to social interact. But until that, we've got to do what we can. And again, our priority is twofold. One, protecting the health and safety of our network and the community that we would go into. And two, providing the education and social experience as best we can with the virtual avenue. And as Emma says, we're looking forward to see you all in 2022, where we can have a really good celebration. And Steve, I don't know if you want this in here, but I've always made the joke. It's our 20th conference for 2021. But at least in the United States, the 21st birthday party is a little more fun anyways. So we'll have more fun in Austin than we will. We'll have a bigger party then. (laughs) No, that's perfect. That is perspective. We're going to have a bang up 2021. (laughs) The 21st birthday. All right. So uh, I want to thank you both and thank you primarily, but also the whole team and staff for your creativity and vision and staying on mission with what ResNet's about. So thanks for joining us today. And thank you for listeners for listening in. Steve, Emma, take care. Thank you. I want to thank you for listening in to today's episode of the ResTalk podcast. If you're pro in the building market, surf on over to resnet.us slash professional to learn more to join the email list. You can also find ResNet on Facebook or Twitter. After listening, if you like what you heard today and not yet subscribed to the podcast, please consider doing so by typing ResTalk into the search bar of any typical podcast app. That way you'll get the episodes as soon as they launch. 
quote for today is by John Feldheimer. You change your business plan to anticipate and adapt to changes in the marketplace. If you're interested in feeding back to Resin on what you heard today or would like to hear a new topic covered or just have a general question, please send an email to info at resnet.us. Thanks again for listening to the Res Talk podcast and have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening to the Res Talk podcast. This podcast is hosted by Bill Spohn and is a production of ResNet, the Residential Energy Services Network. The best way to listen to this podcast is to subscribe on an iPhone using the podcast app or on an Android device by downloading the Stitcher app and searching for ResTalk. If you are willing, a review on iTunes or the podcast app will help others find the show and would be very much appreciated. We look forward to talking again soon on ResTalk.